Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Matt Densky continues our series, Puzzle Piece Jesus. We look at Luke 10, verses 38 through 42, where Jesus goes to visit Mary and Martha. Martha was distracted with serving and getting things done while Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach. Matt challenges us to look at our own lives and ask ourselves if we ever get too busy doing things for God that we miss out on things from God. We see in this passage that good things become bad things when they distract us and cause us to miss the best thing, Jesus. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, it is good to be back with my people, back with my family. I was gone, I was gone last week. I was up in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and let me just tell you, it was a real beaut up there, hey. I mean, it was just picture perfect up there. I was up there for um, like eight days, ten days, something like that. It was great. I missed you guys. I miss y'all. Carter Smith, HBD in the house, man. Happy birthday to my man Carter. Love that dude right there. Oh, and Carter, hey, Carter Borden, last week, last week, HBD to the Carters. (laughs) And middle schoolers, welcome tonight. Yeah. We love you guys, man. Hey, so we've been going through a series, we've been going through a series in high school over the past few weeks called Puzzle Piece Jesus, and we're going to continue that series tonight, middle schoolers, just to bring you up to speed. The heartbeat behind this series is really like we all have this portrait of Jesus, right? This picture of Jesus in our minds, and it's kind of comprised of all these different pieces that we've built up over the years. Some of these pieces are really, really good. And they belong there. And then maybe some of these pieces don't belong there. Maybe you heard something about Jesus when you were young, and and so you put it in your portrait of Jesus, but it's not exactly accurate. Or maybe you heard something from a friend or family, or dare I even say it, maybe somewhere along the line you, you heard something in church or from a pastor or a teacher about Jesus that may may be right but may not be right, but it's in your portrait, or maybe some puzzle pieces in your portrait of Jesus are just blank altogether, and you don't quite know how to fill them in, and, and so you fill them in based on what culture might say or something like that. And, and so over the past few weeks, we've been in this series called Puzzle Piece Jesus, where we're looking at these different angles of Jesus and, and trying to, attempting to fill in some of those more difficult pieces a little more accurately. So we're tackling some trickier passages of Scripture. We're going to be there tonight. I'm excited about it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, third book in the New Testament, chapter 10. And we're not going quite there yet, guys, but that's where we're going to be tonight. Uh, But first, I want to talk about something I'm convinced of. I'm convinced of. Adults in the room, I think you're going to give me a a yes and amen on this right away. But students, I I think even you are going to be like, yeah, you're right. I've come to the conclusion, my wife and I have been married now, uh, October 27th will be eight years for us. (laughs) Yes. Will be eight years, and she's fine, (laughs) and I love her. And we have two beautiful boys, and, uh, and they're awesome as well. But I've come to this conclusion as a, as a married man. When company comes over to your house, I don't care who it is. If it's your in-laws, if it's your own mama, if it's your friends, if it's family, man, it could be like someone selling insurance at the front door for five minutes. I don't care who it is. When company comes over to your house, I'm convinced of this. 
life turns into chaos and utter chaos. I don't care. Look, man. Now, this students too, like when you have friends over, I'm convinced this principle still holds up, all right? But there's something that happens when someone comes over to your house. Company creates chaos. I'm convinced. It's like, it's like you are, everything is hunky-dory. Everything is peachy. Everything is going smooth. And then all of a sudden, when, when you receive the news that someone's coming over, it's like you are in a nuclear submarine, and the captain hit, hits like the code red button. You know, like, company's coming. What are we going to do? And you just start running. It's like your life, go, you, can, you can literally walk in your house, and there's like 17 pairs of shoes by the front door. You don't care. You don't care. There's like 37, like, almost entirely drunk water bottles. You've got like two sips left, but they're just left all over. Counters, TV stand, under the bed. You know, like, they're just everywhere. You don't care. You don't care about those. You got laundry trailing from your room to the bathroom, down the steps. You don't mind that. There's no big deal. Your countertops in the kitchen have become storage for every piece of mail that you've acquired in the last six months. You know what I mean? Because the designated drawer is too full now, right? Like, yeah, you don't care about that. You don't mind that. Man, you lose a remote in the couch. You reach down in there. You're, you're sifting through crumbs of all shapes and sizes. You know what I mean? You don't mind. You don't care. But the moment, the moment that someone comes over to your house, it's like, oh, what are we going to do? And everybody flips their lid. Everybody's shoving everything in closets. In my home, my wife, I mean, we just like, like heard, we heard clothing in the closets. It ain't hung up. It don't matter. If it fits, it's going in there. You know what I mean? I have literally scooped up clothes and gone to the bathroom and dumped them in the bathtub and just closed the curtain. Because <laughs> even if the guest uses the toilet, they ain't looking in the bathtub. Out of sight, out of mind. Company creates chaos, man. I was talking to someone tonight. I won't name names. They're in this room. I was talking to someone tonight. They said, they said that their family has literally repainted a bathroom because company was coming over. When you bring out the gallon and the paint sticks and you get the brushes going, you know, you know it's real. Company creates chaos. Students, when your friends come over, your room looks like a pigsty, right? Like normally. I heard a story once, I heard a story once about some guys in college. This is a true story. Guys in college lost a bicycle in their dorm room because of the grossness. 16-speed mountain bike, gone. They just, yeah, they got some Narnia magic going on in that room. Your room is a pigsty, but when friends come over, when friends come over, what do you do? Oh, you clean. You clean. Now, some of you, now some of you are saying, now, some of you are saying, I don't even care. My friends don't judge me. Like, some of you are there. Okay. Okay. But I guarantee this. If ever your crush came over to your house, whoo! You got the yellow gloves on, going up to the elbows. You got a bucket with soap suds. You got some Windex. You're scraping everything. 
You're slaving away all day. They walk in the room, you're like, this is how I normally live. <laughs> Company creates chaos, man. It creates chaos. You just hide everything when people come over. Why do we do, man, one day, even, even if it's someone, I've been, I've literally been at home. <clears throat> I've literally been at home. We're not expecting company. Doorbell rings, ding dong. And I know it's just someone trying to sell something. Like it's not actual company. It's just someone trying to sell something. But it would be like on a Saturday morning, and I still got like some cow licks going on. I still in my jammy jams, chilling with my sons or whatever. I'm barefoot. I don't know why. That's always embarrassing to me when I open my home and I'm barefoot with someone I don't know. I don't know why that embarrasses me, but it does. So you know what? Like you open the door and you just like, like it's a haunted house from the 1920s. You just like barely open the door and you look out like a two-inch gap. Can I help you? <laughs> They're like, nah, man, I'm straight. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, company creates chaos, man. I don't know why. One day, I just want to have the courage to like fling the door wide open and let them come in. Yeah, man, I got toys all over this place. I got clothes and underwear on the stove top because we ran out of room on the floor. Yeah, we got ants up in our kitchen. You know why? Because we eat sugar up in here. And the crumbs. I just want to have the courage one day to let them see it like it is. I don't know why. We just put on this facade. We do it, man. Company creates chaos. And where we're going to be tonight, we're going to look at a story. It's a really interesting story where Jesus is the company. Jesus is the company. He goes over to his friend's house. He's got these three very, very close friends, and they're all siblings. It's a brother and two sisters. You may recognize their names. The, the brother's name is Lazarus. That's the one that died, and Jesus brought him back. <laughs> what up? And then the other two are the sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, let me, let me get a show of hands here. These sisters are very different. Any siblings in the room? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you... Ra raise your hand if you are alike, if you're like your sibling, if you're alike. Just, I don't know, pick one, pick one. Now raise your hand if you're different than your sibling. That's me, that's me. Yeah. So the story tonight, the story tonight is about two sisters and Jesus. And these sisters are like, polar bear opposites, you know what I mean? Like, one of them, one of them is like, let me hear you if this is you, one of these sisters is like, task, high-functioning, responsible, I need to make a list, and I check it twice, hashtag Santa, what's up? Like, you are just operating type A, you punch the dots, that's one sister. Anyone? Yeah? Okay. All right. Now... Now, what's up, girls? Hey, this is spitting section. You guys good with that? Okay, this is when that spit comes out. All right, the other sister, listen up, listen up. The other sister is like, like, head is in the clouds, way more relational, just kind of floating through life, like, woo, what's happening today? You know, like, just kind of like, I'm an artiste. <laughs> I'm a creative. You can't put me in a box. Anyone like that? Yeah? <laughs> All right. 
All right, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Jesus is rolling through town. He's rolling through town with his disciples. Luke chapter 10. Turn there or look there on the screen. Luke chapter 10. Jesus is rolling through a village named Bethany. This is where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived. He's rolling through a village. He's rolling with his crew. He's traveling with his disciples. So he has at least, at least his 12 disciples plus himself. Math people in the room, what are we up to? 13. 13. Plus, plus Mary and Martha and Lazarus who live in the house. 16. Okay. Now, now, shh, 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 shh. listen up, listen up. Now, here's the deal. It's a minimum, it's a minimum of 16 people. I don't care who you are, that's a large group, okay? But here's the deal. In Luke chapter 10, earlier in this uh, very chapter, Jesus sends out 72 disciples, and they all come back. And if you read through the flow of chapter 10, there's not necessarily now a break where it says those 72 then disbanded, and now we're back down to the 12. So there is a slight possibility that Jesus is rolling through Bethany, and it's not just a buffet for 16, it's a banquet for 70, yeah, what is it? 88? Yeah. Possibly. Possibly, possibly 88. Now, you think company creates chaos with one person coming over. Imagine you're at the doorbell, ding dong. You open up, you got an 88 deep out there. Here's what I would do. Slam. And nah, not today, Satan. So we don't know. It could be the 72. It could be the 16. More than likely, it's just Jesus and his 12, but even so, even so, 16 is a lot of people, y'all, a lot of people. So here's what it says, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, you there? Luke 10, verse 38, you there? You there? Okay, thank you. Come on now. Here we go. Now, as they went on their way... Jesus entered a village, that's Bethany, that's where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived, and a woman named Martha, now remember, Martha is like, by the book, rigid, structured, scheduled, task, get stuff done, right, that's Martha, Martha welcomed him into her house, now what's really interesting, did Jesus ask to come over, no, see, Martha has this heart, she's like, oh, all right, yeah, my house is my house is open. I don't know, if, is anyone like this? You just find yourself inviting people over and then you're like, why? Why did I do? Like you feel like it's the polite thing to do in the moment. Like you'll be in a conversation. Guys, I'm the worst at small talk. I'm the absolute worst. And one of the ways I bail myself out of small talk is by doing something like grand. So in a conversation that gets awkward, I'm like, ha, <laughs> You know, we should hang out. I don't, really, don't want to hang out with you. I just don't know what else to say. But I find myself doing that. Maybe Martha was there. I don't know. But actually, you guys need to know, you guys need to know, it is culturally, go back to Jesus' time, go back to where they're from in that region, it is culturally appropriate 
and expected to be a good host to your friends. So if your friend is rolling through town, Jesus was homeless, by the way. If your friend is rolling through town, and you know that they don't have a permanent place to stay, you, don't, you know that they're depending on the kindness of others for food, you're going to take care of them. It was culturally appropriate and expected. And to sit down at a table, a dinner table, and break bread together was so significant in the time of Jesus. It meant so much more than it means today. You and I go to cookout today. We grab a shake. We grab some fries. We're feeling kind of rough afterwards, but we're like, yeah, man, all right, peace out. See you next week. But in Jesus' day, to sit down and break bread meant this. I accept you. I love you. We are in fellowship, and it is intimate. It was a gesture. It was symbolic. It was something special to eat with someone. Martha is operating by the cultural expectation and cultural norm. Here's Jesus. He's our friend. He needs food. He needs a place to rest. Well, let's host him. So Martha invites Jesus to her house. Verse 39. Now, she had a sister called Mary. Now, remember Mary. She's not structured and rigid, it doesn't seem like Martha is. She's a little bit more emotional. She's a little bit more um, introspective. She's contemplative. She thinks a little bit. She has empathy. We get different glimpses of her in the Gospel of John, so we know a lot about these sisters. Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Sounds pretty good, right? Like you hear that and you're like, Mary, girl, (laughs) you got it going on, girl. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'm looking for a girl who's close to Jesus. Mm, Like all the dudes in the room. This is the girl you want. But here's the scenario. Jesus is rolling through town. These two sisters, Martha is operating by cultural norm and cultural expectation. We need to have him over. We need to make him a meal. We need to take care of him and his disciples. We need to get a banquet. We need to get a buffet going on. But company creates chaos. You know those feelings in Martha's heart? Okay, uh, what are we going to do? Like, I'm not sure they knew Jesus was rolling through until that day. I mean, this is kind of a last-minute company thing. You can just feel Martha's anxiety. Okay, uh, what are we going to do? We got to, okay, yeah, I'll get that food ready. And then, okay, if you can run to the market and pick up uh, da-da-da-da and bring it and Like you can just imagine she's having this punch list in her head. How are we going to feed this many people? How are we going to take care of this many people? Mary, on the other hand, they go home. Martha's busy slaving away in the kitchen and, 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 and working on stuff and getting the home ready and getting the food ready. And she's focused on decorum and, and atmosphere and house and making sure everyone has what they need and, and food. And where do you see Mary, her sister? Dude, she's... She's perched up right at the feet of Jesus, crisscross applesauce, (laughs) like just listening to the words of Jesus. Wasn't it Mary's responsibility too? Is this not Mary's home too? So you see, cultural norm would say, Mary, this is your guest. You need to take care of them. You need to help out with the preparations. You You need to make sure things are going well. Like, we can chill with Jesus while we eat, but you got to get the stuff ready first. See, that's what culture said to do. And where do you see Mary doing none of that, but just sitting at the feet of Jesus? 
Martha is operating by cultural norm. Mary is operating by cultural exception. And I, I want to make this very clear. In Jesus' day, women were not very empowered, period, in the culture. Women were thought of as less than. Women were not allowed to be educated like the men. They were not allowed to have the same jobs as the men. They were not allowed to have a voice like the men. For a rabbi to take on a female disciple, which for someone to sit at your feet is a symbolic gesture that you are taking them on as a student, for that to be the picture we get here is breaking all the rules of culture. It didn't happen. You see, one of the reasons I love Jesus, dude, he breaks so many cultural rules. He's like, oh, okay, this is a rule in the culture? Okay. Well, I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, I'm going to go ahead and break that rule. Children were seen as nothing better than slaves in that culture. They were beaten regularly. What does Jesus say? Hey, man, hey, 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 bring the kids to me. Man, if you don't have faith like a child, you don't get this. Jesus makes children the hero. That was so rare. Women are, are treated as less than. Where do you see Jesus doing? He's having conversations with women. He's empowering women. He had female disciples. Women funded the ministry of Jesus. Here's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Cultural exception does not happen. Jesus is bestowing worth, dignity, value on this woman. I think he's also painting a picture of, hey, this is the standard, by the way. And just because this is about 2,000 years ago doesn't mean that we're far from these issues. I think in our culture today, women can be seen as less than, as not equal as, as not as worthy as. And we pay them differently and they have different jobs and different roles and that's a woman's place and all this nonsense. And guys, hey, let me just step on the toes of the guys real quick. If your mindset towards a woman, towards a female is that she is somehow less than or somehow a servant to the male race, especially in marriage, you are utterly and abysmally wrong. And look, I'm just telling you, man, you look at how Jesus rolled. Dude, he, creation was finished with a woman. I mean, need I go to Genesis on the matter? Adam was not complete till his, till his counterpart. Females, let me just tell you real quick. You're worthy, you have dignity and beauty, and don't you dare settle for a man that takes that away. You wait it out, okay? Jesus, Jesus models something. I, I can't even begin to explain how culturally taboo this was, that a woman is just sitting in the midst of the disciples right at the feet of Jesus, front row. I mean, G, dude, Jesus just, he does whatever he wants. He's like, yeah, I'm going to show you how it should be, not what it is. So Mary is breaking the rules. Martha is keeping the rules. I mean, I'm trying to get everything ready. I mean, you, Martha's, she's like slaving away. She's, she's doing all this stuff. And she kind of looks around. She's like, Where, where's my help? Where's Mary? Mary! Mary! And, and then she catches a glimpse of Mary at Jesus' feet. Man, what? Is, Mary! What's she doing? She gets upset. She gets riled up. Look, she goes... Look at what verse 40 says. But Martha 
was distracted with much serving. That's an interesting verse to me. She was distracted with serving? Really? I thought serving was a good thing. Like, shouldn't we serve one another? That's not a rhetorical question. You give me an answer. Shouldn't we serve one another? And yet here, the word distracted precedes the action. She's distracted with serving. I thought serving was a good thing. Is it possible that it's not a... Man, have you, have you ever found your place in a position, you're so busy doing something for God that you're not receiving something from God? You ever so busy doing something for God that you're not receiving something from God? When all of a sudden going through the motions becomes the thing? Man, I'm doing the right thing. I'm over here serving you. I'm over here getting all this stuff ready for your disciples, for you. Man, we got it all laid out. Mary's over there sitting and doing nothing. You ever, you ever get so busy doing something for God, you stop receiving from God? It's possible. I met a, I met a guy one time, first impression. He came up to me. He said, hey, my name's so-and-so. I've been reading the Bible for 252 days straight. I want to, in that moment, I want to say, cool, man, how's your heart, though? I mean, look, Bible reading is not bad. Get, don't get me wrong, I, and I strongly encourage it. It brings life change. But if it's just for the sake of reading and it gets here but never here, 18 inches is all the difference sometimes. How's your heart, bro? You ever, you ever get so busy doing something for God that you stop receiving from God? See, Mary has, or Martha has this impression, I just got to do the right things. If I do the right things and I, I do them the right way, then, then surely this is the right thing. Whereas Mary is like, no, 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 no. I'm not about the doing. I'm a little bit more about the being. And I got Jesus in my midst. And nothing could be more right than being in his presence right now. Martha was distracted with serving. That's an interesting verse to me. How are you distracted with something good? So she got angry. You ever been angry? Woo. She got angry. Martha went up to Jesus. Now get this, man. You got to be you got to be pretty PO'd. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to be you got to be there. Martha goes up to Jesus. Look how she slings her words around. She goes up to Jesus. She says, "Lord, don't you care? Look, guilt trip much? <laughs> don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her. Ooh, we telling Jesus what to do now? Yo, Martha, like, that's when if I'm a disciple, that's when if I'm a disciple, I'm sidestepping that lightning bolt. You know what I mean? Like, zow, she about to get zapped. <laughs> She guilt trips Jesus. Don't you even care? Look what I'm doing. Man, I'm setting the food out. I'm cutting the pita. I'm chilling the hummus. I got all this stuff going on for you. Tell Mary to come and help me. That's what she says. She's bossing Jesus around. Tell Mary to come and help me. It's interesting. You, you notice how passive aggressive. Martha, why don't. It's like Mary is sitting here. Jesus is sitting here. Martha's like standing beside Mary. Jesus, don't you care? Look at all I'm doing. Tell her to help. Just tell her to help. Like, Martha, why don't you look at her and tell yourself, girl? <laughs> like, 
passive-aggressive much? Tell her to help me. Now, if I'm Martha, and i got to be honest. i got to be very honest with you guys. Whenever I read this passage, of, I've, I've been chewing on this passage for almost a year. I, I've been wanting to teach it, and I just keep coming back to it, and I'm convicted every time. Because i got to be honest, as an American... In a culture that often emphasizes task above relationship, let's be honest, where getting stuff done and even workaholism is rewarded more than rest, let's be honest, I'm on Martha's side. I got to be frank with you. I got to be really honest. Every time I read this, I'm like, yeah, Mary, <laughs> what you doing, Mary? Tell him, Martha, tell him. Yeah, get him, Martha. Like, I got to be honest. And, and if this was my first time ever reading this passage, I would fully expect Jesus in this next moment to say, hey, you know what, Martha? You're right. I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I got teaching. I was doing some miracles and stuff. Mary, Mary got distracted. Cut her some grace. But yeah, Mary, you should go help your sister. If this is the first time I was ever reading this passage, I'll be honest. My American mindset is geared towards task, that's what I would expect Jesus to say. But it's not what he says. Actually, Martha receives a little bit of a rebuke. She gets stung a little bit right here, which is kind of surprising. Because you read the story and you're like, yeah, man, 16 people up in that house. Why is Martha the only one doing anything? Mary, is this not your house too? Come on, girl. <laughs> right? We got company over! Nuclear submarine. Ah, ah. I'll be, all right, let's, let's put it this way. <clears throat> Your family is going to have some company. You know they're coming, so you have a little bit more of a heads up. And everything like goes crazy in your home, right? Like, hey, you clean your room. Hey, you're on bathroom duty. I want toilets shining so clean I can lick off of them, right? Like everyone's barking orders. You're doing the laundry. You better not put a red with the whites. Like everyone's doing everything. Everyone's going crazy. Dad's running through the house. All right, let's go, let's go, let's go. And all of a sudden, he passes your room. He looks in there. And you're sitting down reading your Bible. Your room's a mess. You ain't got nothing going on. It smells so bad in there. Man, it, he can barely even look at it. You got some funk coming from your room. Everybody's supposed to be cleaning. The ceiling fan's wobbling. You haven't even stabilized that thing. And you're sitting there, legs crossed, just reading your Bible, big old smile on your face. And company is 10 minutes out. What are you doing? Most of y'all, man, most of you, dad, don't even make me come in there, right? Like... You ever notice how people get mad, they hike up their pants? Don't even make me. I'm going to retuck this shirt in. I'm so angry. Dude, that's where, Mar that's where Mary's at. Everything's, everything's a frenzy. Martha's doing all this. Martha's doing all that. She's looking, man, where Mary? She looks over. Mary's just sitting with Jesus. What in the world? We got plenty of time for that while we eat. We got plenty of time for that later. Right now is the time to prepare. It's not the time to listen. She goes to Jesus. Man, tell her to help me. She'll listen to you. She ain't going to listen to me. Jesus says, man, look at what he says to Martha. This blows my mind. He says, Martha, 
He says her name. It says it twice in your Bible. You see that Martha, Martha? In reality, he doesn't, he doesn't say it twice. The original language here, the Bible here is written in Greek. Greek is a language of emphasis. So when they double up, it, it doesn't necessarily mean twice. It means emphasis. So here's what Jesus is really doing. Martha! Emphasis. Martha! I mean, that... <gasps> Jesus raised his voice to me, right? Like... He says, you are, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Man, you're worried about the food. You're worried about the decorum. You're worried about the app. You're worried about the lighting. You're worried about dust on the floor. And you're shaking out carpets out back. Man, Martha, you're worried about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Martha gets a strong rebuke. Martha comes to Jesus fully coming. Jesus, look at everything. Man, tell my sister to help me. Martha! Nuh-uh. You can just, okay, <laughs> my man. Man, you're so worked up. You're so worried about so many things. Can't you see your sister gets it? Can't you see that she sees the one thing? She's chosen that one thing, and it's the better thing, and I'm not going to take that away from her. In fact, Martha, Miss Task-Oriented Martha, you could learn a thing or two. Why don't you sit? I mean, he doesn't say that, but that's his implication. I mean, could you imagine? Dude, every time I read this story, I'm like, yeah, Martha, yeah, I'm with you. What's Mary do? Man, she's got her head in the clouds, dude. There's pie in the sky. Mary, it's time. We got some company. But Mary got something that Martha didn't get. Martha completely missed. She was distracted with much serving. Now let me ask you, is serving a bad thing? Yes or no? No. Serving's not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. But she was distracted with it. I mean, this strikes me as crazy. Like, this means it is possible at times... To be distracted with a good thing when Jesus is inviting you into a better thing. Good things become bad things when they cause us to miss the best thing. Good things become bad things when they cause us to miss the best thing. And that's Jesus. Man, we got stuff in our life and they're good. They're good. But good things become bad things when they distract us, when they cause us to miss the best thing. And here's this scenario where you have two sisters completely opposite. One is like high task oriented, high functioning. Come on, man, we're operating by the rules. Can't break the rules. This is what we do. And then the other one's like, yeah, but Jesus is here, man. Like, do you know, this is, this is God in the flesh. Man, how, what a rare opportunity. When else are we going to get this chance? Man, let's sit at his feet. She saw the best thing. Not just a good thing, but the best thing. It is possible to be distracted by good things and miss out on the best things. Good things become bad things when they cause us to miss the best thing. That's Jesus. I had a, I had a situation a few years ago. I, was, I had a work project with a bunch of students. And we were all working. Man, it was hot. We were, I mean, just really hitting it hard. We were all like worn out, sweating, hot, getting sunburnt, right? 
And it had been hours we had been at this, just nonstop, hours. I mean, our, like just out there, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, a couple of my students asked me a question. Now, I get bizarre questions sometimes, theology questions or whatever else, but a couple of my students asked me a question. And they, it was about like something in Revelation or the end times or something like that. I can't quite remember. Something about Jesus coming back. I don't know. But it was out there. It was kind of bizarre. <laughs> but I was like, oh, you want to talk theology? Okay. <laughs> like, let's do it. So we took about a 10-minute break to discuss some theology in the middle of this work project. Now, out of my peripheral, I noticed a guy. He's a good buddy of mine. I noticed a guy. His body language started to become angrier and angrier. You could tell he was like getting fumed up a little bit. And I knew, in my mind, I knew why. I was like, I bet that this guy's upset that we took a break to talk about what he considers like nonsense. I bet he's angry that we're talking about theology rather than working right now. And I, I dare say some of you would be annoyed too. Now, in this setting, in this room, you're like, oh, nah, man, you're talking about Jesus. It was good stuff. But in that moment, when your mind's to the task, I bet, ooh, what are, why do they stop? What are they doing over there anyway? Man, they're giggling. They're laughing. <laughs> Ain't no laughing at the job. So I go over to him. I said, hey, man, what's up? And I already knew what's up, but I'm like trying to, you know, pull it out. I said, hey, what's up? It was nothing, man. He goes back to his work. I said, hey, hey, just pause a second. Pause. It's okay. Talk to me. What's up? There's nothing, man. I'm fine. This is like guide talk, by the way. Guide talk is a riddle, but basically this means like, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I said, hey, man, dude, I, I can tell you're upset. Talk to me about it. And he goes, well, dude, I, I'm just, I'm angry because I'm I, like, I'm trying to work here and, and you guys were over there talking and. And man, I'm not the only one, by the way, who's frustrated. Like they were, I was like, oh, okay, so you got a little posse going on. <laughs> like you guys spread the news. We took a break. Okay. I said, hey, did you know what we were talking about? He's like, no. I was like, well, it doesn't really matter, but we were talking about Jesus, and it, they had some good questions, and it was some important stuff, and it just seemed timely in this moment to talk about it. He's like, okay. I said, and this whole time, like he's working. He, I said, hey, pause. Stop. Look at me in the eyes, and let's talk. He's like, dude, I don't want to. And so I decided in this moment, I'm going to put my finger in his heart a little bit. I don't know if anyone has ever done this to you, where they just know what's in your heart, and they're like, press in. <laughs> but I decided to do it. I said, man, you want to know why you can't stop working right now? He said, why? I said, you're worried that if you stop working and stand up and look at me and talk to me, then the others are going to look at you the same way you just looked at them. That they're going to think less of you because you're not working. That they're going to wonder what you're talking about, probably goofing around. That a five-minute break would destroy your reputation as a hard worker. You're focused on yourself, and you can't even stop working because you're finding your worth in the job you're doing. He's like... <laughs> like... He stopped. He said, I mean, maybe. I'm like, you know, maybe. And then I sensed something else. Ooh, man, you know when the spirit gives you something juicy? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you just know. Oh, like this is from, this is from the Lord. 
dude, I just sensed the spirit saying in that moment, hey, Matt, remember, that girl that he has a crush on is right over there, too. And I thought, oh. <laughs> Jackpot. I said, furthermore, bro, furthermore, you're out here trying to work hard to look good for her, ain't you? Ain't you? Ain't you? Ain't you? He's like, yeah, man, I am, okay? I want her to be impressed. I was like, I knew it, you fool. But, dude, we had, we had this whole conversation because he couldn't stop working long enough to tell me why he was frustrated because he was afraid that others would look down on him the way he looked down on others for not working. His worth is so wrapped up in himself, the identity and image that he wants to project. You see, it's easy to do something for God, and it's easy to miss out on receiving from God. Here's the difference. When the focus is on you, you're going to get distracted with good things. If it's about you, if it's about how good you look. Man, I want to tell people how many days I've read my Bible in a row because I want to look good. Congratulations, you're doing something for God, but you're probably missing out from God because the focus is on you. But when the focus becomes about Jesus, you don't care who thinks what about you. You don't care. All you care about is Jesus. Man, Jesus is in our home, Martha. Like, dude, make some peanut butter and jellies. Don't worry about this huge, just whip something to get Jesus is in our home. How many times are we going to get this? Like, this is the main thing. This is the best thing. When you're focused on Jesus, everything else melts away. You don't care what people think about you, their perception of you. All you can focus on is your wonder and awe and love for Jesus, and you would be there. Look at what Jesus, look at, again, what he tells Martha. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. You know what that word portion means? All throughout the Old Testament, that word is time and time again, portion, portion, portion. You know what it means? It means having a close and intimate relationship with God. That's how it's used all the time in the Old Testament. Look at Psalm 73, verse 26. Psalmist writes, he says, man, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It means, it means God is giving me himself, his presence, his intimacy, the portion. He, he's my serving. I mean, I love that in a, in a context where Mary and Martha, it's all about like food and this meal that Jesus uses a food term. This is her portion. She's chosen this portion and it's the best thing she could have chosen, Martha. Good things become bad things when they cause us to miss the best thing. And Mary has chosen the good portion. Jesus says, and I'm not going to change that, Martha. I'm not going to take that away from her. She had the eyes to see it. So my question for you tonight, my question for you is, in your life, what is distracting you from the best thing? Man, you got a lot of things in your life. Some of them may be bad. I don't know. A lot of them are probably just neutral. They're good but they're neutral. But when good things distract you from the best things, they become bad things. It's not that they're inherently bad. Remember, serving is not bad, but Martha became distracted with it. So much so, the focus is on her. I gotta, I gotta, I, why? I mean, tell, tell Mary to help me. Why? So that we can get stuff done faster or so that you look good? 
What's distracting you from the best thing? Think about it. If the best thing possible is Jesus, if the best thing possible is Jesus, are you sitting at his feet, focused on him, in awe of him, in love with him, not worried about anything else? Is that where you're at? Or is Jesus kind of shuffled into everything else in your life? Like you're trying to squeeze them in here and there, but you got some other priorities too. You've become distracted. Man, I'll be honest with you. I, I took stock last month of my life and tried to answer this question for myself. And, and one of the conclusions I, I walked away with is, man, I, I didn't like how I was spending my nights and how frequently and how easily I've just slipped into watching TV every night, like Netflix or Hulu or whatever. I just didn't like it. Like, I, I started thinking, like, man, do I do this every night now? Yeah, I think I do. Do I need it? No, it's not a bad thing, but I think it's distracting me from the best thing. Like, my thoughts aren't postured towards Jesus as often as I'd like them to be. My time is not in the Word as often as I'd like it to be. My prayer life is, is not as frequent as I'd like it to be. And, and, yeah, I could move some things around, but the reality is when I come home, I put the boys to bed, and, 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 and for the next hour or so or hour and a half, I would just sit down in the living room and, and watch TV. And I just didn't like how frequent it had become. So for the entire month of September, I cut it all out. Like no TV, no Hulu, no Netflix, no any of that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to reorient my heart towards Jesus. And yeah, is it hard? Man, yeah, there's some times that, yeah, dude, I just want to go home and veg out. Like it's been a hard day and I just want to turn my mind off a little bit. But but see, that's the point. It's a good thing, but it's distracting me from the best thing when my response to a bad day is to go to this good thing instead of the best thing. That's the whole point that Jesus is talking about. In the context, Martha, what you're doing is not bad, but there's something better. Mary sees it even though it breaks cultural rules, even though you're judging her, even though others are probably judging her. Even though it looks bad on her character, she should be playing hostess, but she's not. Mary doesn't care. She's discovered the best thing, the good portion, and I'm not going to change that. What's distracting you from the best thing? Is it TV, like it was for me? Social media, the amount of time you spend on that? Gaming, relationships, dating, sports? Oh, man, don't even get me started on how we put sports on this like pedestal in the south it's all about sport gotta 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 watch my football gotta it's not a bad thing but is it distracting you from the best thing what's distracting you do you have the courage to be honest about it and furthermore do you have the courage to actually do something about it and focus on the best thing again not just the good things but the best thing let's pray Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the story of Mary and Martha. I know we relate to one of them. For me, I often relate to Martha. I wish I were more like Mary. I wish I could just see what others don't see and be with you and focus on you and understand you're the best thing possible. Jesus, you're the best. Nothing could beat time with you. Nothing could beat the portion that you give. Nothing could beat fellowship with you. 
Would you give us the honesty to admit what we're distracted by? Would you give us the courage to make you the center of our lives? Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.